Welcome to Your Healing Journey with Dr. Debbie. In the next 30 minutes, get ready to discover the secrets of learning how to heal your body naturally. Dr. Debbie is your guide to a longer, more vital, and healthier life. We'll explore nutrition, vitamin supplementation, mindfulness, and optimal wellness. So sit back and relax, and let's begin this life-changing experience. Welcome to Your Healing Journey, and here's your host, Dr. Debbie. Welcome back, everybody. So glad to see you back here to your healing journey with Dr. Debbie. And today we're addressing natural birthing with a friend of mine and colleague, Dr. Janice Gruska, who's a naturopathic medical doctor. But before we get started, I always like to start this with a prayer. Father God, many of us need healing. I need healing for past hurts, random physical pains that I allow to waylay my days, and spiritual healing for various reasons. I reach up to you to receive the healing so that I may be whole and that I may be able to then minister to others in a way that brings your fullness of glory. How wonderful to be able to worship you without stain or blemish and to be totally healed. Show others your healing power so that they may also be healed and walk in wholeness. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. So welcome back to your healing journey with Dr. Debbie. Today I have the pleasure of introducing you to a dear friend and colleague, and her name is Dr. Janice Gruska. She's a naturopathic medical doctor, and she graduated as a 1991 graduate of the National College of Naturopathic Medicine, and Dr. Janice Gruska practices primary care medicine with a focus on the health care of women and children. For 25 years, she provided respectful, quality, individualized maternity care and out-of-hospital delivery support in her practice. She encouraged women to reconnect with their body and baby while building confidence in the birthing process. During her professional career, Dr. Gruska has chosen to share her knowledge of naturopathic medicine through teaching. She has taught at the Sonoran University in Arizona and is currently an academic and clinical associate professor of gynecology and pediatrics at Bastyr University, California. In her practice, she strives to create an attentive and compassionate atmosphere with an emphasis on supporting positive change through life transitions. She incorporates an extensive selection of natural medical interventions, which include homeopathy, clinical nutrition, botanical medicine, subtle energy therapeutics, and mind-body counseling. Janice. Thank you so much for coming on my Your Healing Journey with Dr. Debbie show today. I'm so honored to have such an expert on the subject of natural birthing. Hello. Thank you so much, Debbie. I uh, really appreciate you having me on your show. And it's a real pleasure to be here discussing a subject that I'm very passionate about, which is home birthing and empowering women in their birthing process. Yes, and since you're such an expert, I have quite a few questions for you today. <laughs> well, so could you tell us how natural birthing is different than the current traditional hospital birthing processes? Yes. Yeah, so first of all, I'm going to start off by uh, talking a little bit about uh, what they call the midwife's model of care. And um, I'm I'm sure most of uh, your listeners uh, know who midwives are, but for those who don't, uh, a midwife is a uh, um, individual who has studied uh, maternity care, including uh, uh, natural labor and delivery and the care of the newborn. When midwives first started, they definitely uh, went through a process, not a formal education, but actually apprenticing uh, with other midwives. 
Um, now uh, we have midwives go through a formal uh, training process and then apprenticing with midwives um, in order to gain experience during uh, uh, the prenatal care, labor and delivery and newborn care. There's two different types of midwives. One of them uh, is a nurse midwife. So this is an, uh, an individual who has a degree in nursing and then does a master's uh, program in midwifery care. And then there are what we call professional midwives. So these individuals do not have a nursing license, but they go through uh, three years of training and then anywhere between two to three years of apprenticing, which means they gain experience, um, what we call in the field of uh, taking care of women under the guidance of a uh, experienced licensed uh, practitioner um, and uh, before they go out on their own. So let me, with that sort of basic understanding of that particular type of practitioner, um, as opposed to what we uh, mostly know as obstetrics and gynecology practitioners, so these are MDs or DOs, so osteopathic or medical uh, physicians, um, who um, do training specifically uh, besides gynecology, does additional testing after their medical school training uh, to deal with uh, gynecological care and then obstetrical care. And these are the providers that do uh, the hospital births. So I must say that there are some practitioners who have medical degrees that may do uh, uh, what we call out-of-hospital births or what we, uh, what we call freestanding or birthing center births. I I'm, I'm don't personally know over the years anyone that does in that category that does home births, um, but they, they do try to offer other than just a hospital setting in order to do births. But I must say that they're few and far between. So with that sort of kind of background, so you kind of understand generally who is doing birthing out there, I'm going to kind of focus on practitioners who um, do out-of-hospital uh, out or what we call home birthing or birthing center births. And those are mostly the midwives. Now, as a naturopathic doctor, I did training uh, when I was up in the Pacific Northwest. My school was in Portland, Oregon. And we did training similar to the philosophy of midwives. Um, and then I got licensed and uh, certified in it and then did births. Uh, so my philosophy and the way I deal uh, with, I dealt with women during their birthing process as well as during their prenatal care is based more on what we call the midwife model of care. So this, this care is basically looking at pregnancy and birth, that it is a normal life process for a woman. Um, we, uh, the midwives or that particular philosophy or model of care, we monitor the physical, psychological, social well-being of uh, mothers throughout their childbearing cycle. And what's very unique about this is that the, the care of the mother and the baby are very individualized. So not everybody's put in a category um, uh, sometimes which we see in, um, let's say, a medical practice that there are certain parameters that everybody's placed in. So there's no really individuality 
um, at least in my experience with working with women who had previously had had obstetrical care and then maybe chosen a subsequent pregnancy to to do uh, midwifery care or out of hospital care. Um, another thing about the midwife's uh, model of care is that they minimize um, technological interventions. We really have a belief that women have the capability, the natural capability of laboring and delivering without any issues. Um, And that's sometimes I believe in my discussions with uh, friends of mine who are gynecologists and obstetrician is that they want to believe that women have that ability, but they want a little bit more control. Because the more control they have, then they feel more comfortable with the process. And I feel what happens is that um, they, the woman gets placed like in this little box. So it's more like what we call cookie cutter. You know, like you have to fit into the box. And if you don't fit into the box, then, you know, that makes the practitioner uncomfortable and the people serving you in the hospital uncomfortable. So I feel that that is an unfortunate thing because each woman's birth and even a woman who gives birth more than once, each of their experiences are different. They're not the same. So even though we see that labor and delivery has some similarities amongst women, there's also very individual experiences. What I have um, experienced and the studies have shown when they have looked and compared midwifery care to obstetrical care, modern obstetrical care, is that this woman-centered model of care lowers the incident of adverse birth-related events like birth trauma uh, or injuries. It it reduces the uh, uh, cesarean section rate. Um, It reduces labor and delivery interventions. Um, And it also lower psychological or emotional uh, trauma that might be experienced during the birthing process. So this is the, uh, I would say, the advantage of doing um, out-of-hospital care, which midwives do. Now, having a hospital birth um, can have its advantages, especially if a woman's uh, health Um, either prior to or during the prenatal care uh, puts her at what we call a higher risk. Uh, Women um, who do out-of-hospital births are a healthier population, okay? It's what we call low risk, which means that they do not have any pre-existing medical conditions. Um, They, uh, uh, during their prenatal care, Uh, The growth of the baby and the health of the mother remain stable and healthy. These are what we call low risk. And they have a very high uh, uh, rate of a healthy labor and delivery outside of hospital. When you have a woman with that sort of category and you put them sometimes in a hospital, it's a little bit more difficult because policies of the hospital protect the hospital and sometimes makes it very difficult to accommodate the individual. So this is where I'm talking about the cookie cutter, right? Um, this, this individual has to fit in, in that mold. And if you want or desire something outside of that 
mold, um, there's a lot of sometimes pushback. So medical interventions are often encouraged and can be hard to refuse. Um, uh, any woman who may be listening to this who has gone through labor can understand that sometimes when you're in the middle of labor and somebody is, you know, you know, kind of uh, uh, keep on saying to you, harping at you, you know, we should do this, we should do this. At some point, the woman say, okay, just get off, you know, just like stop asking me the question. I'm trying to labor and have a baby. So sometimes we have a real difficult time, um, you know, uh, refusing that sort of care, a woman in a hospital. Also, uh, mobility is restricted. Sometimes it can be somewhat uh, uh, impersonal. Um, uh, uh, there's a, there can be a lack of continuity of care, you know, which means that you have lots of people uh, taking care of you um, because there's shifts in the hospital and nurses, like you might have a relationship with a nurse while you're laboring and all of a sudden a new shift comes in and you have to adapt to a new set of people. Sometimes your practitioner that you've uh, put had a relationship with your prenatal care may not be the same person who's, give, who's delivering your baby. So you might have somebody walk into the room um, when you're ready to deliver the baby that you've never met. And the one thing that I can tell you that over 25 years of helping women in their birthing process, and I hate using the term that I delivered the baby, women deliver babies. Mm -hmm. I am just a witness to the labor experience. My goal is to create a safe environment for the woman and the baby and allow the woman her process. And I'm also there not only to create a safe space, but also to be a witness to this woman's process. You know, so I never say I delivered. I usually say that I was present for this many births, right? right. Because that is not my goal of delivering. I, I didn't do any of the work. I mean, the woman did all the work, <laughs> not me. I just happened to be there keeping her safe, keeping, you know, um, a, a, a atmosphere that allows her the process and to be a witness of a beautiful baby coming into the world. That's amazing. So, yeah, so the, the disadvantages is that, you know, you don't have as much control in the hospital. Now, there are some advantages of delivering in a hospital. I don't want to say a hospital is not the, you know, a horrible place to have a baby. It's just that, um, you know, you don't have as much the you don't have as much control. So it's right. hard to feel safe sometimes in a hospital. Yes. Hospitals are really important for individuals that uh, need or want. Uh, pain control management mm -hmm. during their labor. They may fear having a birth outside of the hospital. Um, and, re and if you have a lot of fear and anxiety, you won't have a good, you know, birthing experience. Right. And so some people, you know, just feel more uh, uh, safe. Women also who are what we call higher risk uh, needs that little extra added attention of medical, possible medical intervention. Um, and, so sometimes hospitals are important um, to have available to women. Sure. Um, but unfortunately, in the United States, um, gosh, 90 to 92 percent of all births are done in the hospital. Yes. And the rest is done either in a birthing center or at home, which is a very small minority when you think about how many women are having babies. 
Right. So I think that those are really good points, Janice. And so I have another question. Why do you think it's important to have a baby vaginally when possible? Yes. So um, when you have a baby vaginally, the ability to bond with a baby immediately after birth is enhanced. If you have a, a, a cesarean section delivery, and there are some women out there that uh, elect to have, I mean, there's some women who need may need a cesarean section. And believe me, I'm, I am very happy that it's out there um, with those necessities that need a surgical intervention to deliver a baby. But, um, you know, when you have a C-section delivery, you don't have as much of a bonding ability right after the, ba- immediately after the baby is born. Vaginal birth also allows for the fluid, the amniotic fluid that the baby is encased in when they're in utero, when they're in the uterus, to be kind of squeezed out of the baby's lungs. This actually reduces the likelihood of newborn suffering from certain respiratory problems. So that whole action of squeezing down through the vaginal canal um, helps to kind of push all that fluid out. Um, it also um, helps to uh, baby, the baby will be coated with what we call is a vaginal microbiome. So these are beneficial bacteria that is found in the vaginal canal that helps the um, baby later on. Um, there has actually been studies to show that babies receiving the beneficial uh, uh, microbiome from their mother in terms have been associated with uh, decreased uh, risks in asthma and allergies and immune deficiencies. And this has been shown not only in animal models, but in human studies also. So there are some advantages of having a vaginal Uh, delivery for the baby. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of bypassed when you have a cesarean section. And like I said before, when it's absolutely needed, um, that's important to be able to have the health of the mother and the baby ultimately. But to have that as a, and in the United States, uh, approximately close to 40% of all births are cesarean. And that's a pretty big number when you think about the majority of uh, women out there giving birth are in a low risk category. And mm-hmm. we're one of the only countries that really have that high of a cesarean rate. If you go to Europe or you go to parts of Asia, uh, but especially in Europe, I'm more familiar with the statistics there. Women are mostly uh, followed during labor, uh, prenatally and labor and delivery with midwives. And uh, obstetricians are only brought in for higher risk births, where it's not seen like that here in the United States. The majority of the care is obstetrical and not really given to midwives. So most women are then subjected to the possibilities of a more highly inter uh, more intervention during their during their labor and delivery yes so i uh, i think those are amazing things to bring to the surface and give our audience this information mm-hmm. there's other things that people don't understand like 
I have a friend that I live with and I asked this, when she saw this question, she goes, I didn't know that. How is the cutting of the umbilical cord before the blood empties fully harmful to mother and baby? Yes, this is a really interesting topic because um, I would probably say over, oh, in the last century, you know, the second half of the last century, it was um, a a procedure to cut the cord quite quickly after the baby was born. Interestingly enough, in the early part of the last century, um, that wasn't the case. And I, I don't know the exact reason why there was such a shift, but there was this shift of, oh, we got to clamp the cord right away. And the um, there are some advantages in delaying cord clamping. Uh, when you delay the cord clamping, this transfusion of blood from the placenta into the newborn um, helps to facilitate kind of like that transition for the newborn. Um, by allowing that to happen up to three minutes, waiting at least one minute, but even up to three minutes, that there is an increase in blood volume and hemoglobin, which means that there's less likelihood of anemia. And when we look at the studies that uh, compared cutting the cord right away as opposed to allowing that delay of cord cutting, they noticed that there was an increase of infant uh, iron stores at six months of age. Wow which means that it helps to decrease the likelihood of the baby having, you know, anemia, which is really important. And that's just like just waiting three up to three minutes after the baby wow. is born to allow that extra blood, you know, to flow into the, uh, into the baby from the placenta. It also helps because when the baby is born, the heart in utero has certain what we call shunts or little holes in the heart that close right after birth, but it allows for the transition to our, what we call arterial and venous blood, which is not needed while the baby's in utero. Um, and if you give that opportunity for the body to make that transition while you're still getting that good oxygenation from the placenta, you're actually helping the baby in the process. So besides this six-month, uh, you know, increase of iron stores, they've also done some studies that show um, that fine motor skills are enhanced even at age four with those children wh where they had the iron supply was boosted through this practice of delaying cord clamping. Um, and this is especially in boys, they saw. It, it happens both in boys and girls, but it seems to be more enhanced in, you know, the uh, male gender. So, and when they looked at the iron stores of the four-year-olds, they saw that they were within range and there wasn't any difference between those that had a clamping quickly or had a delayed clamping so the studies basically say it has to be because of the enhancement at birth. Right. So we see that neurodevelopmentally, these fine motor skills are actually enhanced when you delay cord clamping, um, which is just it. So it's really critical that we kind of look at that. 
and I must say that even in hospitals now, there is a trend here in the United States that doctors are now once again not, you know, not closing the camp, you know, clamping so quickly. That's great. Well, Janice, you're giving us so much information and I had so many more questions, but we're running out of time. So I would like you to come back again so I can continue to interview you about some of these other topics that I wanted to cover. But you're such a wealth of knowledge. And is there any way that people can get a hold of you or how uh, people can access some of your knowledge and come see you? Uh, Well, right now I uh, do not have a private uh, practice, but I do. Um, I am a supervising uh, practitioner at um, Bastyr University at their clinic here in San Diego. Um, so uh, they can actually reach out to the clinic and make an appointment on one of my uh, teaching shifts, clinic shifts, and uh, they will be seeing. Um, a third and fourth year medical students, but um, they will also see me. And uh, if they have any questions like with preconception or they're in their early pregnancy and they want to talk about options, uh, we can actually uh, accommodate them and give them that information. Well, I think that's great. So everybody, um, I would encourage you to contact Bastyr University, California and make an appointment with Dr. Gruska so that you can see some medical students that are there and give them the opportunity to help you see options and have a healthy and successful birthing process. So again, welcome to your healing journey with Dr. Debbie. You can find me at integratedmedicineministries.com or 760-519-1759 and at drdebnovtp at gmail.com and next week I'm bringing Peggy Hall to an interview to show us how to maintain our body autonomy and our freedom and uh, give us all kinds of tips on how to stay free and sovereign in this crazy world. So thank you again, Janice, for joining me today. Thank you.